0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Better Business Analysis podcast with Benjamin Walsh. And yes, I have, uh, I've I'm just recovered from a bit of a cold, so apologies for the voice today. Now, the topic we're going to dive into right now is um, one that I kind of allude to throughout other episodes, but I'm quite passionate about this particular topic because i don't think anyone has really come out with a hammer smacked it down on the ground and made the point that i'm going to make right now and that is that your business requirements document uh sometimes referred to as a brd i don't even like to use that term anymore in 2024 but you will be putting together some type of business requirement document Um, when I say document it doesn't have to be a physical document it could be an online document and it could be using various tools which we'll get to in a minute but in 2024 if you're writing a business requirements document how big do you think your business requirements document should be I'm sure I'll get different answers uh, for those who are BAs out there. I'll give you an example. When I started at a company called Genesis Energy here in New Zealand, it was a, it's an um, they're actually a producer and a seller of electricity in New Zealand. I got back from the UK uh, and in London where I was working. Let's just say that the art of business analysis was, oh five, ten years ahead of what was the standard practice in New Zealand. That's not to say there weren't people that were far ahead in New Zealand at the time, but the general uh, senior business analyst, which is the role that I was uh, going into, was um, very much focused on documentation being an output, and or even an outcome, because not only were they producing an output which others could use, I think there was a belief that you needed, as a BA, you're responsible for all aspects of your project. I still feel that way. But a reluctance to, um, I guess, think about the fact that there are other people involved in the project. So project managers, architects, um, designers, testers. So, you lose focus, and I talked about this in the last episode. You lose focus on who you're writing or who you're doing your work for. Okay, and again in the last episode, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it just for this point. That the audience of your documentation is the product owner or the business owner, the one who is ultimately owning the requirement, who you are facilitating, who you're convincing, who you're persuading who you're working with and trying to, you know, I guess in some ways, um, you're channeling them. Um, it's for them to understand what you're doing, right? It's for them to maybe take elements of that and produce presentations that might go to upper management or, you know, customers or whoever other stakeholders there are out there. It is also for the tester, so they understand the requirements. So the requirement part of your document, uh, they are stakeholders of that, um, of course. And in an Agile environment, and I'm going to talk about Agile and Waterfall, um, you're, and, you know, again, that's a spectrum, you're somewhere in between, or everyone is. Um, You are using that, you know, the development team or the designers, developers are using that to craft solutions right architects um who i generally work with architects at that kind of level and they will you know take my requirements and then come up with some solutions now what i what we talked about in the last episode was that that's who your audience is that's who you're writing for so when i landed at genesis energy uh working as a, a contractor at the time there were two other bas great BAs, by the way, no disrespect to the way they were working at the time. This was typical, atypical, typical of what everyone was doing in New Zealand. And they were, they were known as great workers. They got the job done. And there was a a guy there, let's call him Pete. His name wasn't Pete. And when I first started, I was getting inducted and, and shown like how the BAs work in this, Uh, organization. Um, I'd had my own toolkit. I talked about it at the interview and I was very light and lean in terms of lean business analysis. And you'll you'll hear the word lean business analysis. It goes without saying that um, I work in lean. I just don't like to use the term in front of the word business analysis because I just think that all business analysis should be lean now. And it also means other things when you say lean. It so I'm using the term lean, not meaning necessary six sigma. Um, I'm using the word lean to say the, the opposite, which is, I guess, fat, right? Or big. So um, and, and the purpose of lean, um, when we say that, uh, followed by the word business analysis, we mean we're not doing anything more than we need to do. Okay, and that should always be the mindset. You should never produce waste we're bringing you back to my first week at genesis energy i saw what good looked like okay and what good looked like was somewhere between 100 and 150 pages of word document specification and for you who are maybe new to it you know um you know under 40 that might be absolutely insane but for someone who, um, who has worked in government departments, and this was not a government department, by the way, I think the state may have had some interest in it, but it, it wasn't a government department. There wasn't the legislation or the governance that you would expect that 150 pages may, you know, there may be appendices of 150 pages because you have to, you know, sign off certain bits and pieces. They may have been 150 pages because you're trying to package everything to do with the project. And there was an encouragement. It was actually a culture for the BA to repeat what the PID said, the project initiation document, repeat the scope. Uh, And we'll come back to that because I think repeating the scope is fine. But literally copying everything from all documents that ever existed before they existed and And, including it in your specification, that was that was the culture, so um it had to capture everything. So having a document that was a hundred to hundred and fifty pages wasn't necessarily um didn't seem ridiculous to me, but what I soon realized was, of course, if you are writing a document that is hundred 150 pages and <laughs> and it's not a um a, a great book. A uh, novel like Game of Thrones, then no one's going to read it, are they? And and not only that. If a developer does read that, they'll read it once. And if a tester reads it, they'll read it once. Who 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 are you writing the document for? And so we lost we lost the reason for its existence for the reasons of business analysis. And you might say to me ben okay okay i understand what you're saying what what do you what were you expecting what what would you expect well i'm going to give you and this is this was actually a few years ago this is over over 10 15 years ago so i'm um so a lot has changed right slowly along that path so i'm just gonna jump all those years of evolution and tell you what I think a uh, business requirements document uh, should be in length today okay and and we'll talk about how we got there a little bit, but really it's it's not that it's not that important. What's important is that you know what is expected in twenty twenty four and what um kind of size are you aiming for and I, and and you could say to me, doesn't the size of the business requirements document isn't there a proportion? or a a calculation which relates to complexity? And I think the answer is yes. I think that the more complex a project is, the more you have to explain, the more words you have to use. And there are other ways of articulating uh, requirements which aren't just words, Uh, and even the format in which we store the information doesn't have to be a Word document. So I'm gonna give you a general uh, guidelines here that I, I believe is about right. So if you're doing a very, very simple uh, document, uh, sorry, very, very simple project, a very simple project, a small change, uh, which may or may not need a BA, but maybe your internal BA and your job is to just keeping an eye across internal projects, I would say that your business requirements document, and we'll, we'll talk about, and I'm not including appendix here, and I'm not necessarily talking about the requirements matrix that goes along with it, okay, and they are uh, distinct. Uh, and can be removed and evolved separately to the business requirements document, um, that main pack for a simple project should be two to four pages. That might surprise you. I'll continue on, and then I'll make a statement. For a moderate kind of project, like a um, implementation of off-the-shelf software, your business requirements document without appendix, right, which has got a lot of the working in it, we'll come back to that, should be somewhere between 5 and 8 pages. And for a highly complex project, right, Your the efficiency, you should still have efficiency, your document should probably be somewhere between 8 and 12. And maybe more, and maybe more, but you should start at 12. You need to strive for, uh, sorry, start at 8, OK? The 8 is, is the starting point for a complex project. And so some of you who were surprised by the 150 100 150 are now going, whoa, okay, yeah. Mine aren't 150, but they're not 8. Okay? They are they're somewhere like 50 or 20 or 40." And so I'm going to define what I think the BRD really is. Okay, and I think it's um it is the basis for what you are doing. It is describing it is you prioritizing the what, and it does not have the how in it. Okay, so just be really clear that the first checklist item for you is that your business requirements document does not talk about the how. That goes into the solution design document, right, or the solutions options analysis, and then the specific design over the architect. So make sure when you're thinking about your 50 page document, I'm not including that. If you want to, for whatever reason, I would say it's really bad practice to merge the two. They are distinct. they are like two sides of a coin. You sh- they shouldn't be mixed, maybe two sides of the coin can be mixed. but they are, they are literally one is a request, one is a reply. the request the business requirements and the reply being the solution. So they should not include the how. That is really, really bad practice. If you're doing that, stop it. okay. Um, if you want to send them together as two documents? Fine. but uh, and you want to send them you know in a collective communication? great. They are not the same. If anything, the how document might repeat the requirements matrix to show how it's met, but not the other way around. Okay, so you've got no technical clutter in there. You've got nothing about solutions in there. Your requirements uh, traceability matrix will be handled in a couple of ways. One, it will be in Excel, especially if you're in a high-level requirements phase, or, you know, you're not using an Agile methodology, Um, but it can either live in Excel and it'll be locked and referenced in your requirements document because it changes often. It is now a tracker of requirements. And that'll either be done in Jira, DevOps, or an Excel spreadsheet of some description. Okay, so it's live. So that is not included in your uh, BRD, your business requirements document, or I like to call it business requirements pack, I call it. Um, It will be referenced from there. Again, you may in the the appendix, so not part of your um, kind of you know, two to eight page um, pack, you may have the table in there as a starter and say these are the ones were have signed off as an appendix. Here's the live matrix. Not counted uh, as an appendices, so you wouldn't include it in presentation. One way to think about your business requirements document is it's the presentable, uh, it's the final presentable summary of your requirements analysis. That's what it is. So any of your workings can either be in the appendix But we sometimes do that too much. The appendix can reference other areas like a confluence page or another document. If you want to keep your analysis, I am not saying that your analysis won't be 150 pages. It could be more. It could reference thousands of documents. It could reference case studies. But all of that is not in your business requirements document. All you need to do is summarize that and, and reference it. Okay so um just like you would in in a research paper so if you are um doing uh an appendix there i would just list reference sources that you've talked about or discussed you know areas i you know just link out to those so they're not included the other thing that you want to concentrate on is uh using visuals man like if you're drawing a document um, if you're trying to do context and you're trying to explain what the context of the project is, there's nothing best better than a context diagram. Draw the t- context diagram, show, uh, make it fun. Make it. I think the context diagram you can take creative uh, liberties. Doesn't have to be the uh, c- you know convention of a, uh, um, a proper a context diagram. As long as you're explaining what the scope is uh, on a page. Um, sometimes I, I've seen some wonderful art. Uh, used to explain what the project is, which is what the context diagram is. It drops scope out of it. Um, I've seen them. I've seen them fantastic versions of it. I've seen t- uh, two in a document. One which is a more of a conceptual uh, context diagram, and then one which relates to process. I think that's a really good idea if you are going really arty, and then you can go well, what that means in a process term is we're affecting these areas, and then you drop down into your epics from there. So, use visuals as much as possible, um, and also think about how you, what, 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 it, what is form will the BRD be, okay? I mean, I, I have used, and, and this is, again, I think this is old school for 2024, and, you know, we, you know, I love, I love my um, indie rock, which is from the early 2000s, so why can't I love my PowerPoint? Uh, it annoys a few of my fellow BAs, but, to, to be honest, um, I haven't really um, come up with a great way of moving to the next step, which I, I think um, my way, to be honest, has been there are alternatives for it. I'll talk about how I do it and then how um, you might do that uh, in a kind of a more modern way. I use a PowerPoint presentation or a Google Slides, one and the same. Um, I use it. Uh, and just have sections, because I'm usually presenting this to someone. Now, PowerPoint, as we know, should be, presentation should be short, only have a few words on a slide, Um, I use it, um, I am not using it to allow someone to just um, read, I generally present, and I have my notes in the notes section, and then I will try, I probably put too many words on there, but it's actually okay it's better than we're reading a word document so i'm using powerpoint here as an alternative for an easy editor uh which isn't word and i'm trying to summarize at least on one slide you know and, um what my points are okay so i think it's just i find it really easy to manipulate and i use it now um that means it's visually engaging it means it is concise and focused which is what ba is all about clarity and, and being concise um, but of course it is not going to be any good for things like, you know, if you had a whole lot of user stories, you know, uh, tables, um, or it just had a whole lot of my research. So then I'd link out, like I said, to an Excel spreadsheet for the requirements matrix, um, which I would do regardless of if it was in JIRA or not, just a copy, uh, like, a um, frozen copy of the requirements before they went into JIRA. Um, and I also um, think that there is a, a, another way in which you could take this approach, which is the kind of pack approach, and that is to use um, an online collaboration tool. Okay, so I think that uh, Confluence could be a good way of doing it, but Confluence is more like uh, structured in words, so you still have to read it and you're not presenting it. So I'm trying to not waste here by thinking well I need to present these requirements because that's ultimately what I'm doing. Uh and I need to present this what I call the story. So my BRD is the story and then the requirements is the requirements matrix. So the story is the PowerPoint and then um and so if I'm looking at a replacement for a storytelling tool uh then I may look at a whiteboard tool for that. Okay there's quite a few Mural um muro or mural and there's others and if you could use that in a presentation way and you can do that by the way and you were to be able to move through this move through the kind of areas or sections in a dynamic nice repeatable way i'd probably move to that technique because then you could have everything on one actual board or your analysis And then use it to present so i think i've got requirements which are you know i don't want to repeat what i'm saying and i've found that powerpoint uh, works for me and it may not work for you and of course you could go full hog and actually get a specific business requirements uh, management tool so enterprise architect is a tool uh, that's used by architects but it actually does some business requirements management in there and so you can have um you can produce um your document from there so it, it, it's basically uh, like a almost like a mail merge of all the stuff that you've done on it so if you want to do if you're doing complex projects maybe you've got and you're working with an architect you can do your traceability in there uh you can do your use cases for example and then you can pretty much come up with a predefined template that just outputs your your um, business requirements document uh into into you know a predefined template now the only cost of that of course is that it, because it is templated you might have a whole lot of um extra spacing and tables and it may end up being longer than than the parameters i told you earlier um, the other one of course is just using uh, doc and word and eight pages that's fine too um it's easy to uh, vision control and collaborate on Um, And I'm sure there are other ways. I mean, please, you know, um, if you've got any other ideas uh, or ways that you do your business requirements document, then, you know, throw a a comment on here or on LinkedIn. I'd love to know. So when we talk about um, the, the reasons why we want to have a short business requirements document, we talked about the fact we want people to read it. I'm just going to give you uh, a couple of other reasons why it's really good to have a short uh, business requirements document. And ultimately, it's that first point around clarity and focused. If you have a concise document, it provides clarity by focusing only on the essential um, points of the project, right? you have worked. and remember, it's the output of your analysis. So you've already worked through maybe a scope discussion. So it's only got the, you know, the, the requirements that are in scope. Not all the dis- discussions around what should and shouldn't be in scope. It's got outputs from your workshops. You know, it's uh, you may have a number of other documents, by the way, uh, which you use for different workshops and so forth, all saved in a folder in SharePoint, Teams, for example, or Google Docs. You are avoiding unnecessary details that can cloud understanding and decision making. So just by the nature of a hundred-page document, like a, if you've worked in business cases, this can be the Case you lose the flow, so for me the mark of knowing whether or not you're hitting the mark is that it flows all the way through. And I always talk about person on the street. So if I can give the my business requirements pack, not all the analysis, not the requirements themselves, but just the you know two to eight page pack uh, to someone on the street, they could generally understand what you're trying to achieve. So that's the kind of language you want. Right now I'm working uh, for one of the New Zealand ministries doing some consultancy work. And I know that my work is probably going to be read by the minister. So um, I don't know what the equivalent is. I guess they're ministers. Um, what are they in America? Uh, your House representatives. So, you know, not maybe not the Senate, but the House representatives that you have in America. So I can't remember what they're called. Candidates. Uh, they are, so they will be reading this document I'm producing or or a cut down version of it. So what I do is I have my pack, I write it for them, write it with those language, that language, because I know that my product owner will ultimately be talking to the minister. And then, you know, maybe we just do a version that's more of a culldale version that takes out any internal language and then we present that. So it's a copy of the pack and that happens quite often. You'll create numerous copies depending on your audience. Um, So that happens often. Uh, The other benefit of just having a short pack is reduced maintenance, right? Um, If you have a smaller uh, business requirements document, it's easy to maintain update throughout the project lifecycle as things change. Um, We are talking about from initiation down to probably your delivery, uh, starting on delivery, but you can just change that pack as things go through. When I'm doing strategic and enterprise analysis, as I am in the case of the example I was talking about before, which is proposing something, uh, a change, quite a big change in education. Um, having a small pack that I can just change and update on the fly uh, with with colleagues, you know, give them a Teams call, edit, present, change, uh, add some colors, put in some smart art, you know, move it ahead. Uh, you know, I, I like to call it, the we'll come back to the Wiggles approach uh, at the end. Of You may not know who the Wiggles are, but I'll give you an example of uh, who that might be in, The UK and the US. uh, The Wiggles approach is always a good approach. Um, A shorter document is meaning that, like we said, that your stakeholders um, will read and understand it, okay? It doesn't matter what their technical background is, um, both an architect can understand it and also your product owner. Uh, So you end up having improved stakeholder engagement as a result. The other thing is about having a small uh, document is and people forget about this is you're more likely to have it reviewed and approved quicker right sometimes people think well i need to justify this so i'm just gonna put a whole lot of there eh, just brain dump it it doesn't actually improve how fast you're going to get it done a, the more words you write and this is the same with a contract or the same with a um you know sales document or a business case is the more words you put in the more chance of review or criticism or or um clarity you have to provide you have to add word, more words you add the more words you have to add to clarify the words that you said so it's it's you know it's it's you can get exponential um kind of um bad return on investment by just writing too many words so make sure that you don't do that and then you have um if it's short and sweet, then people can always come back with questions so what I do is I'll send a document out. Maybe, I don't know, I, I will read things. So I will literally mark things as as the color red. And I'll say, not sure about that, not sure. 80%, I send it out, get feedback. The, I know, and the reason why eighty, you want to send it out when you're 80% done, see so done as in it reads nicely, but you may not have all the information and that's pretty normal. BA should live in that point, get comfortable with the 80% that also will stop you writing 100-page specs to get to perfection. If you if you send it out at 80%, so it's 80% done but readable and you're comfortable that upper management can read it or whoever you're sending it to, then uh, you won't get um, stuck on the, on the perfection um, trap that BAs get trapped in because we want to be right and we want to have logic and we want to be able to make things work. And, you know, you, no one wants... Like they're saying, the ugly baby, which is usually become, the project becomes your baby. So you, if you send it out at 80%, say, like, and tell yourself, well, it's not perfect, you'll be more open to feedback. If you send out a perfect presentation or 150 page spec and people criticize it, it can, it can deflate your morale. And, you know, you, it might take you a year to update. If you've got a seven, eight page spec and you're sending it out and people comment on it or make changes, They'll give you more feedback, by the way, more valid feedback. They'll ask questions. You can answer it and answer, change some slides, or put it, the answers in the appendix, or wrap um, something out, or even add a new slide if you need to. So it's it it actually gives you more comfort by allowing people to see your work early, and that's really what collaboration and agile is all about. Um, and of course, if you're only running eight pages, and don't don't get me wrong, these are great eight pages. These are not the same level of quality. Of one of the hundred pages you had before. This this one page is is the final print that and I just talked about not perfection, but I'm gonna use the analogy of this is your draft that you're sending to your publisher, right? This is the book, that these are the right words that make sense in the story. Okay. These are not your draft notes. So um by looking at it that way, everything you've got in there matters. You don't put anything that's unnecessary in there. If It's unnecessary, put it in the appendix. Okay, pull it out. Uh, This kind of doesn't work anymore. It's a good reference. We've got a better way of explaining what we're trying to talk about with this table and this side note and this diagram and this reference. Let's take the other slide out that's still good. It still feels like it's got some communication value. Move it to the appendix and mark it as old. Okay, so that's what I do all the time. and even though you are, like I said, uh, perfecting each slide, you will still take less time than you would writing a hundred-page or hundred-page specification, because you know you want that to have the right spelling and grammar, and and like I said, it's going to go through a review cycle, and changes are going to be hard. So you're actually reducing cost by doing this. A smaller BRD translate to less time spent on writing, reviewing, maintaining the document. And leading to, it leads to cost saving in the overall project time. Now, that might not mean that your BA time is any less, but the time you spend on that can be reinvested in actually doing a great job working with stakeholders, doing more workshops. You know, you've always got a limited time on a project and writing a document in a dark room is not the best use of your time week on week. The other thing is it increases agility. So short-focused documents are better suited for agile methodologies because actually you're using an agile tool generally. So no one, people are only going to read that document once. They were doing that with the big document, but they sometimes only do that with the small document too. Trust me. Um, but it allows uh, for easy adapt- adaption and changing requirements product, uh project priorities if you have a smaller document that is open to collaboration. Uh we talked about this before, but I'm gonna say it again. Your document is focusing on the what over the how. And I would say there's a why statement at the front. What's in it for me? Why are you doing the project? Why have you produced this document? What's the purpose of the document is it always a good statement if you've already got an exact summary uh that your project managers uh put together or sent out, or you you have got your own version in your document. Um then you just focus on the what. So it's basically what's a functional, or non-functional requirements. We're talking about not the solution. Um, if we move on, we've got uh, three more um, things you get benefit from, and these are a top ten really. Um, number eight is that having a small business requirements document promotes prioritisation. Limited space, okay, encourages prioritisation of critical requirements. And what you could do is say, well, you know, if I need to, um, it's, this is really when you get to another level of maturity, but if you're saying to your project manager, if we can articulate this project in these eight pages, this is too complex. This is where you feedback and say, we need to prioritize because we've got too much to explain here. So we need to break this project down or into phases because this, this is, um, already a lot um so that means what you've already perfected the explaining of you know a decent amount of requirements and eight pages somewhere between i'm thinking you know a medium-sized project might be 120 requirements or something so you know you shouldn't need much more than eight pages to explain uh the story behind that uh and then nine is around the fact it's a living document so it allows you to you treat it as one uh, you update it, you refine, you present to management, you, foster, you know, fosters communication and alignment and change. And there's been a few times where I've just completely started again on a document and that's okay. But usually they evolve. Usually they evolve. And when I said before around the fact that a business requirements document doesn't talk about the solution, That does not mean that you don't collaborate with the solution team. So I've put together this document I said uh, before for a ministry and I'm collaborating with the architect. I'm saying this is what I think our options are not from not from a technical solution point of view, but in terms of scope. um, I'm going to present these scope options and we want um, them to be an informed decision about what that might mean in terms of the size of the project. So this is really pre-project work. And I worked with the architect, and they're like, well, I can feed into two of those options because they're really technically driven. And the last one, I agree, and I can give you some estimated costs. So that is not the actual um, technical solution where we're discussing in the document. But what I can do is have a little cost table there and go, well, this gives you an order of magnitude. And instead of you know that being another document, or a, uh, it makes sense to append that, to a table where I've got, okay, well, these are the three different scopes we can have. This is kind of value. These are the kind of uh, size of project or processes that would be included. And here's a bit of a cost estimate. So that's fine. That's nothing wrong with that. Uh, And, you know, even referencing at a a very high level architecture in the appendix, fine. Uh, When I talk about solutions, I'm really talking about the solutions to each individual requirement at that stage. Uh, and number ten is that your business requirements document—it's acting as a as a strong foundation for potentially a further uh, documentation down the road, and one of that will be related specifically to the requirements themselves. So if you have a user story that's that's very technically um, complicated. Uh, maybe it has a whole lot of business rules. That particular requirement may need its sub its own kind of reference document, and that may have technical uh, documentation in it. Like I don't know, um, the various. Uh, it's usually related to the solution, but I'm trying to think of one that isn't particularly related to how a solution might be done. But say your job as a BA is to write some pseudo code, for example, or some pseudo logic, which it sometimes is for how a screen might work. So you've got a screen, you've got the pictures, and then maybe you want to explain like if they choose uh, this drop-down box, then these options should appear and so forth. You would chuck that ideally in the user story uh, description field. But if you got to a point where it's quite big, then you might have a a document, uh, just a Word document, which outlines that business rule that relates to that business requirement. And that's okay. I'm not not saying that that... um, that is requirement documentation, if you like, but it's related to the individual requirement. So don't have that in your BRD, your overall BRD, or at least in the appendix if you are going to do that. So I think I've explained to you. Um, I guess I've, I've just summarised uh, ten good reasons for a short uh, business requirements document and why your business documents sh- uh, requirements document should be short and sweet and to the point. Okay. So I hope you got value out of that episode and I'll see you next time. The Better Business Analysis Institute. presents the Better Business Analysis Podcast with Kingman Walsh.